Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. And, of course, you can always find us, too, on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. And today we're celebrating the fi- fact that best-selling author Angie Thomas and Haven University surprised an unexpecting high school senior with a full ride scholarship for creative writing and we have joining us in the studio the recipient of that miss anaya myers she won the 2023 angie thomas writer scholarship and we've got professor and chair of creative writing at the university of Belhaven, dr randall smith who i'm sure was there to say surprise did it go like that i hope it went like that (laughs) (laughs) well it did yeah there was a whole whole crowd of us there uh family friends Belhaven folks and it was wonderful to get to surprise Anaya with that. They should have asked me to do it, Anaya, because I would have totally come out with sparkles, sprinkles, and everything else. Uh-huh. But I'm sure what I've seen, they did it just right. Okay, so how did you learn about the Angie Thomas Writer Scholarship? Well, I first learned about it because it was sent in an email from Belhaven. It was like, if you, you can apply for this if you wanted to. So that's why I first learned about it. And you obviously applied for it. And I guess, uh, Dr. Smith, I'm just assuming that everybody knows who Angie Thomas is. I feel like a large majority of listening do. But there may be some who are like, I know that name, but how do I know it? So what? Um, t- tell us who she is. Uh, so Angie Thomas is a fabulous writer from Mississippi. Uh, she just uh, finished a book tour for her fourth novel. All four of her novels had debuted at number one on the New York Times bestseller Not list. Not too shabby. That's right. Uh, in fact, her second novel, her first novel was knocked off number one on the New York Times bestseller list by her second novel. Oh, <laughs> so, well, you know, if you're going to lose to somebody, <laughs> it might as well be yourself. <laughs> yeah. And Angie graduated from Belhaven with a Bachelor of Fine Arts and Creative Writing in 2011. Uh, and then, and actually, uh, some of her short stories from her senior project at Belhaven were the stories that grew into The Hate You Give and Concrete Rose. So she's been developing those characters for a long time. It's been a great thing just to just to get to watch Angie grow as a student and then as a as a published and awarded writer. And she's also never forgot where she came from, too. She has been very indebted to uh, Belhaven. She comes back to Mississippi often for the book festival mm-hmm. and obviously set up this opportunity for students like Anaya and others. So Anaya, you're number four. So there's been three others that's that's gotten the scholarship. When Angie Thomas came to Belhaven to, or did Belhaven come to, how did the scholarship come about? 
Uh, so our, our president, Dr. Roger Parrott, and Angie talked, and they were talking about ways to encourage riders uh, to apply to the program, uh, particularly riders who came who come from Mississippi, riders who come from uh, outside of Mississippi, but from neighbor, neighborhoods and areas like where Angie grew up in Mississippi, just to give those riders uh, a, a chance to come to Belhaven and grow and have the uh, the scholarship money to do that. So, Naya, you saw it through an email that it was an opportunity to mm-hmm. apply for it. Does this go out to all students? Oh, yeah. It's any Especially. student um, any student around the country, even around oh. the world, can apply. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Look at you, girl. Okay, so next, how what was the application process like? I'm sure you had to write something. So what did you choose? <laughs> I'm just going to guess that maybe it probably wasn't math questions. But <laughs> what did you choose to write, or what was the, I guess, stipulations for applying for the scholarship? Well, the, uh, the what's it called? Uh, it asked for 12 pages of work that we've already written or that you want to choose to write. And so most of the work was work that I had already written over the years. Most of it was school work that mm-hmm. I wrote in. Uh, my main pieces were a short story that I actually written for my mother for Mother's Day. And another one was my memoir that I wrote for English composition for my dual enrollment class at Holmes. I have to say, you're so young to have a memoir, but I guess, you know, you can have a memoir at any stage of, uh, any stage of life. And so did you just submit it and think, yeah. I'll just throw it out there and see what happens. I did. I was like, well, might as well take a chance. Take a chance. So what's the vetting process, Dr. Smith, if you've got students from all over the country or even internationally that could potentially get the Angie Thomas uh, Creative Writing Scholarship? How do you guys, who is deciding, like, Mm -hmm. who gets it? Uh, so we get the portfolios in at Bellhaven, and then in the creative writing department, we go through all the applicants for a year and then try to narrow it down to a group of, say, three to five students. And we forward those portfolios on to Angie. Angie then reads those. And Angie makes the final decision. Um, oh, that's so, so far, we've agreed on every winner. Uh, Would you tell us if you didn't? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> so next year, if you come back and you're like, just leave that out, we'll go, oh. <laughs> No, I'm totally good. So what does it feel like? Did you even know, or Kate, did Anaya know that she was getting down? Or do y'all just wait to surprise the winner? We wait to surprise the winner. Wow. They, they don't know where they are in the process. So, so, so you just send it off into the atmosphere and just sat back and went on about your business there at Canton wrapping up things in your senior year and yes, then ma'am. all right so explain when what was the moment that you got surprised set the scene for us Anaya was it where was it okay so first the day of the surprise my mom told me that we were going to be leaving school early because it was my grandmother's death anniversary so we was going to celebrate and so I started to walk downstairs to leave, and my principal stopped me on the stairs. She was like, where are you going? And I said, oh, I'm leaving early today. She was like, oh, well, mom, your mother's going to come upstairs and get you from class. And I was like, okay. So I went back to class, and my teacher told me that there were going to be guests in the classroom today. So we were going to have another class join us like in our work process, and some guests were going to come. That was like... Hint number two. And then... So you were starting to put these pieces semi-together? Yeah. Yes. Which means mom knew about it. Yes, the whole time. Like, she knew about it a good long time, too. That's what moms do, though. They they can keep their mouth shut when needed. Yes. 
And then my principal came upstairs. She kind of just stood in the classroom. And then that's when everybody else started to come, like the cameras and the Bellhaven staff. And I still didn't get that it was the Angie Thomas scholarship. I was I was just thinking it was the the Dean scholarship that I earned before. I was like, oh, this is how they celebrate this? I was like, okay. <laughs> and I didn't get that it was the Angie's uh, scholarship until they played it on our Promethean board, and this, this one is all came together. What was it like when you when like you finally realized like this is it? Like I got it. Like especially since you didn't even know. I figured y'all would send out a hey, you're in the top whatever. You've made it to the semifinals. You're in the finals. Make sure you put on lipsticks and a good bra for the <laughs> next five Fridays. You know something like. I mean, you did no warning. So what was it like, literally knowing that you won? It was a very big surprise. I was, it just didn't seem real. Had you looked at Bellhaven as a potential place to go, regardless of the scholarship? Yes, I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now you get the opportunity. And it is a full ride, right, Dr. Smith? So how does the scholarship it, work? It is. It's a full ride for all four years, which includes uh, tuition, fees, books, housing, meals. I mean, it's every single part of college. So you just have to go and sort of enjoy college and focus sort of on your creative writing and, you know, enjoy enjoy this next phase of life. Yes. So when it comes to creative writing, where's I don't know if you've got niches. I guess there are short stories, novels, all the different things. What would you say your niche is, Anaya? Uh, short stories. I really like fiction and writing about fiction. I guess that would be my main niche. What's sort of the niche there for the creative uh, writing um, program there at Bellhaven? So we offer uh, workshops in poetry, fiction, creative nonfiction, uh, writing for children and young adults, uh, speculative fiction, which is uh, fantasy fiction, uh, magical realism. We give students opportunities to write in all kinds of different areas. Script writing through our film department and theater departments. Um, so they have plenty of opportunities to explore every area. And sometimes students come in thinking they're one genre, and then by the time they finish or along the way, they realize that they really enjoy another one, and they might switch over. In four years, where do you see yourself, Anaya? Obviously graduating Bellhaven with a degree <laughs> in creative writing, but what's the next step for you, or what do you hope the next step is? Uh, of course, to be getting started in my career, probably with some internships and um, – you know, starting on a story, hopefully. Uh, I've also thought about journal- journalism as a career, so to get started in that as well. I guess that would be also fall into the realm of creative writing as well, mm-hmm. wouldn't it, Dr. Smith? Yeah, a third of our curriculum for the BFA program is in applied courses where they pick up applied skills. So, and I could pursue that through communications, business, teaching. Well, yeah. You know what, Paul's there. We've got more with Dr. Smith and Anaya coming up next. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. Wow! 
can watch good things. We are on your computer, your mobile device. You can watch it on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices. You can even find us on YouTube. You can also catch good things live on C Spire TV. If you've got that, we are on Channel 70 right next to the Weather Channel. And you can catch good things in podcast form wherever you listen to podcasts. We're continuing our conversation with Anaya Myers. She just won the 2023 Angie Thomas Writer Scholarship for the University or Bellhaven University. Always get it backwards, Dr. Smith. You didn't correct me, so I appreciate that. But it's it's Bellhaven University. She's the fourth one to uh, get that award or that honor. And also with us is the chair of creative writing for Bellhaven University, Dr. Randall Smith. And so we were just talking the fact that you've been working there for 140 years <laughs> since Bellhaven has been around. And you guys have turned out significant talent in the writing. Has Bellhaven always had a niche in, I guess, creative writing or the arts in that way? Have they sort of honed in on crafting their program there? Yes. So Bellhaven is is one of those handful of schools in the whole country that uh, that has uh, offerings in all of the arts, dance, theater, music, visual art, creative writing. Uh, we now have degrees in film, and we've been strong in the arts forever. Uh, I wish I could claim credit for some things. I did start the creative writing program 20 years ago. We just completed our 20th year, so we've been around a good long time now. But all the way back to 1942, Elizabeth Spencer, one of the great writers of fiction, contemporary fiction, graduated from Bellhaven. Uh, she was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize in 1957 for her novel, The Voice at the Back Door. And then Harrison Scott Key, a uh, memoir writer, graduated from Bellhaven in 1997, and he won the Thurber Award for American Humor and has three memoirs out. Yeah, so we, we've got a good long history now. And then, of course, Angie Thomas with her books. You were talking about, too, though, um, in terms of journalism. So I mm -hmm. think sometimes when you hear creative writing, you don't necessarily lump in journalism. And, and I, you said that might even be on your list of interest once yes. you get into the program. How does creative writing play into journalism? So we, when we design the curriculum, it's a it's sixty hours within the major for the BFA, and the curriculum is divided into thirds. A third would be creative writing workshops, then a third would be literature courses, but a whole other third of the curriculum are courses where students pick up applied skills, and that can be in business, graphic design, communications, journalism, filmmaking, a number of different things, and that's because you know we we want our students to write and to learn to write well. But we also want them to figure out how they're going to use that gift of writing for good in the world. And, you know, some of us might go on to be award-winning novelists, but many of us are going to use our writing ability in other ways and other places that give us great satisfaction. And we want to help every student find that place to use their writing ability. Anaya, when did you develop your, I guess, interest in, in creative writing or, I guess, a knack for it knowing that, hey, I may be better at this than others? Yes, it will be, I would say, seventh grade, around seventh grade. We had an assignment. It was an essay. I can't remember what it was about right now. But my teacher, she complimented me on my writing. She said it was really good. She was asking me, like, who taught me how to write. And I just, I didn't know the answer to that question, of course. And she was like, you should really consider writing. And just over the years, I realized how much I like it and how I can pursue this as a career. 
I think it's kind of like with any arts, right? Dr. Smith is sometimes you just have a knack for it, right? You don't know how you're good at it. You just hear things or like in terms of music or being able to sing. And I feel like creative writing specifically, I think you can be taught to academically write if necessary because it's very you know standardized. But creative writing, there's a flow to it that I think if you're just sort of some are born with it, I'm sure you can be taught how to make it better but there's just a little bit of just natural talent is that fair there is oh definitely uh we have a course called mission and calling for writers and we do a lot of personality assessments we do the enneagram mbti do all the The three wing one yeah that's right we do all the exercises in a what colors your parachute by richard bowles a great book on uh career planning and mission but one of the things that richard bowles says is you know find that thing that you love to do in life that you would do if nobody paid you to do it and then find somebody to pay you to do it and if i look at writers usually when they go back and tell their story they talk about how when they first saw something that they loved a poem a story or whatever it was and they wanted to try to do it themselves so this passion for writing usually goes back to childhood for most writers so in the seventh and eighth grade Anaya who were you reading or what were you reading um mainly fantasy fiction stories I really love fantasy fiction um I guess so are you an avid are you an avid reader yes I so i think those two go hand in hand right usually you have avid readers who turn into or have creative writing and creative writing then then breeds into avid sort of readers they kind of feed the two sort of feed each other which i think is really is really interesting why parents should really hone in if you've got someone who is really interested in reading early or finds a knack for book push it mm-hmm. because you know that's developing their ability to sort of write sentences or or language or or um, just being able to express things or explain things things describe things mm-hmm. in their written form which will take can take them very far in a lot of different uh, career paths not just necessarily if you wanted to be um, wanted to be a writer I want to go back though to the day you got your you recognize or knew that you were getting the scholarship to Belhaven University the Angie Thomas she wasn't there in person but you did still get to virtually meet her yes well, what was that like she's the one who told you yes so once everybody came in my Principal made an announcement. She said, we have a video to show you all. And so they set up the video. At first, you could kind of hear someone talking, and they had said my name. But, you know, it kind of sounded like Angie, but, you know, didn't want to get my host up right then. And then it actually popped up on screen. It was her, and she told me, she was like, congratulations, you won the scholarship. Um, and it was just like, it was so surreal. It was a good day. Yes. As your mom said, it was a really good day. It was a really good day. It was a really good day. Well, I think it's a good day, too, when parents can hear, Dr. Smith, that there is opportunities for their kids to actually make a living writing. Because I feel like part of that, especially if they are at home doodling poetry or they think about being a songwriter or they you know, fantasize about you know, writing movie scripts, it's like lean into that. They may not wind up there, but you can mm-hmm. make a career off your, off your writing skills. Yeah. I mean, just think about that. I mean, we can all think about the number of different places that we've worked in our lives professionally and and try to think then about the people there who are actually good writers. Usually there are only a few. Like there's a go-to person if somebody needs to write a grant or somebody needs to write some communication that's really tricky to write. So, so we all... There's a place for writers in the world, people who can bring ideas together, summarize them, put them in a really good, logical, clear, concise format. And that we help writers uh, learn to do that, and, and they find a place where they can, can use that ability. Are there any programs at Bellhaven for 
uh, wiser in years writers who aren't the looking for a degree, but maybe to just you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have non-traditional age students all. Uh, oh, that's almost, a great way to say it. Non-traditional uh, age students. students. Every year, uh, take creative writing courses. Uh, some of them just come back to take one course. And I think you know that's another thing. If brush off the novel, I mean, it doesn't have to be award-winning. There's something beautiful about completing a story that you started, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Um, mm-hmm. That I think we we put too much pressure on it has to be successful for it to be worth our time. Yes. And success can be defined just by as you putting it out in the world or completing something that you you know you had sort of started. I mean, you had to put all your work together, Anaya. What's what's the thing that you put in your packet that I guess maybe your most proud of that you will continue to grow on as you move into Bellhaven? It would be the short story that I wrote for my mother. Um, I only wrote like a chapter and I wrote it when I was in 10th grade. Yes, 10th grade. And I thought about continuing it and I just, I wasn't sure how to continue it, I guess. And I hope with my time at Bellhaven, I will be able to finish it. Oh, I'm sure Dr. Smith will be able to, or him and his team of people will be able to to help you out with that. And if people are looking to maybe um, apply for this next year, Dr. Smith, I know we're going to keep it going. Yes. So, how? Do, I mean, I know we just, and I hasn't even started in the fall. We're not kicking <laughs> you out. Um, but how does that sort of process, when should they, you know, bookmark to sort of look for it, or when does the email go out? So, I they can go ahead and look now. If they're interested in creative writing, uh, they can look up uh, Bellhaven University on the web and the creative writing department, and there are links there and directions for how to apply for the Angie Thomas Writer Scholarship and then how to apply for the creative writing program. Uh, it's all portfolio-based. They send in samples of their work. And we just want to see what students are proud of. Send us the things that you enjoyed writing and that you're really interested in writing. Um, yeah, but go ahead and look now and get the portfolio in as soon as possible. Can you teach anybody to write? I can. <laughs> I can I can help anybody become a better writer. Uh, <laughs> you know, yes. at least you own that better than they always <laughs> tell me that they can teach anybody to sing. And I'm just like, that's lies. You, <laughs> you teach someone to sing better, maybe. But. Now, I can teach no one to sing. <laughs> <laughs> That's, there is a department for that at Bellhaven, I'm sure. Thank you uh, for your time, and I congratulations. Thank we you. look forward to seeing what what you publish in the, in the in the upcoming future. But you guys stick with us. We got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. You 
can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And don't forget, you can watch good things on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. And coming up this Friday, you got Middays with Gerard Gibbert and the Supertalk Eagle Hour. They're going to be on the move broadcasting Friday from the Mississippi Armed Forces Museum at Camp Shelby in Hattiesburg. So we're going to celebrate Memorial Day with the museum and the Mississippi National Guard officials. So chime in for a great day that's going to be from 10 uh, to 1 and then I guess 1 to 2 for those that get uh, the Eagle Hour. So you want to buckle up and it's going to be a wild ride and a fun weekend too. I think we're all looking for a little bit of a longer holiday. But when it comes to pennies, see a penny pick it up all day long you have good luck. Do you pick them up? No? Yes? If it's heads up. Do you do? So you're a little stitious with that in that way? Or is I that mean, like the in, rules? In reality, I'll pick them all up. But I've gotten to the point now where it's like, all right, if I see it heads down, I'll flip it over for the next person. I do that, too. I do that, too, I guess. Now, if it's silver change, that's going in my pocket no matter how it is. Yes, I agree, because there's no kind of weird, I don't know, voodoo over it. But there, you say it in your head. See, it, And when you, when you do, when you find a penny on heads, you see a penny, pick it up. All day long, you have good looks. It's like you have to say the mantra before you put it in your pocket. You may not Maybe say it out loud. Maybe that's my problem. I don't do the mantra. That's your problem. That's why you don't have good luck with it. I get real excited, and then I do. I feel like it is my duty, if I find one on tails, to then flip it to heads so I can, I don't know if it's really paying it forward or just setting the stage for the next person to have their lucky break. And you do feel a sense of, oh, when you find one. I mean, there's not much you can buy for a penny anymore. Some of you may be wise enough years that you remember back when a penny would get you something penny candy penny candy would probably be uh the main thing that you would uh probably been able to spend a penny all that for. stuff behind the 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 cash registers at the cracker barrel that's like five dollars a pack you used to get that for a penny it's crazy and now it's like a nickel or even more 10 cents or a quarter for for that kind of candy man inflation is inflation is real but they say there are still things that you can do with pennies did you ever keep them like keep change and then would you roll change like your um silver change first and then save your pennies last or when you roll change did you do it all uh, or did you just keep your I just keep change and then when the container the change is in is full I either find a bigger container or roll what I got so you don't wait until you have like enough just pennies no so if you're going if you're going all in you're sort of going all in do you take time to roll your pennies usually how many's in a 50 cents it's 50 cents right it's 50 pennies 50 pennies man when's the last time you've rolled change uh, been within the last year or so because the container I was keeping my change in got full and I didn't feel like getting a bigger one. We used to have a five gallon bucket and um, like a water bucket, and that's what we sort of kept in. And um, we I had a friend that kept change in, you know, the big water bottles, the big blue plastic water bottles. Am I not saying yes? That's what I was talking about, but they used to be glass. Ah. way back in the day and those things are heavy enough on their own just the bottle Absolutely. but you fill one of those big glass water bottles full of change mm -hmm. you're not moving that thing no. without a good mm -mm. no you're not at all um but 
you can dump it over. Oh, yeah. And then are you always surprised about the amount of, like, how much your change sort of adds up? I think um, it's always, to me, it's like, oh, this was here the whole time. But I feel like the change is sort of something that we all have a ritual with. You probably, maybe if it's not a five-gallon bucket, you've probably got somewhere in your home that you come out and you, like, put your change. I know from uh, us ladies, our little wallets or whatever don't aren't really made for change anymore. You used to would have change purses, right? Like you had, like, the little, or a coin purse. You'd have a little purse where your granny would put things like peppermints and then your change and all that and then as we moved into i guess digital more digital currency more of your debit cards credit cards less of less cash Um, because usually now if you break cash it's gone quicker than you're not just holding it so there's not like you don't carry around change as much as you used to but when you come home if you have it if i feel like or at least we do there's like a place you put it and then you go to it Usually on the days that the kid's like, hey, mom, I need five bucks for whatever, or I want a $2 soda at, for you know, whatever it may be. And you're like, go look in the change drawer and start start putting that education to use. Start counting out your, your quarters and your money. I can't tell you how many times our kid's taken a little plastic baggie full of their, to the, to the whatever. And you're like, hey, that's money. I mean, it's, 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 it's what it is. One pound coffee can does wonders when you can set a can out for each denomination, denomination. of change. Yeah, like penny, nickel, dime, quarter. That's Sue and Greenwood said that. That's interesting to sort of spread it out. Yeah, you already because because then if when you, you don't, write, then you you have you to sort, sort it before rolling. So Sue and Greenwood has become a pro at rolling at rolling change. I'll check all my pennies to see how. I'm guessing old. How old they are. I don't I do that more with quarters. I don't know. I mean I I guess I could do that with pennies. I never really I mean thought about it. I've never seen a shiny penny from the thirties, so you think about it that way. It's like if this thing it it, it looks like it's been around the block a few times, I may look at it and go, How old are you? Don't you wish I could tell you back like the whole and if you think about like the life of a penny. I mean, if it was minted in what? I'd be curious, the one who checks how old your pennies are. Like, what's the oldest penny that comes to mind that you found? Maybe not the oldest penny ever, but just one that comes to mind. If you think about it, like, if, even if it was minted in the, what, the 50s, how long it's just sort of been in circulation and where all it's sort of sat for however many years before it then got rolled or sort of put back into circulation. Well, think about it this way. You've seen a wheat penny, right? Yes, those stopped being minted in the mid to late 50s. So if you find a wheat penny, it's, it's from the 50s. Oh, that's cool. At the absolute latest. So why aren't, why in other change? I know you have your half dollars. Those were, those are pretty um, important, significant. And then you have like quarters seem to feel like people try to collect quarters from, I get what, every state or however this sort of is. Yeah, they did the states, and then they started doing the national parks, and I haven't kept up with it. No, but it feels like the other ones kind of got left out, the dimes, the nickels. Well, the nickels got a new head, didn't they? I want to say the head got bigger on the nickel. Because that really impeded the use of the nickel? I don't know. I too wonder, like you go back and it's like, who was making these decisions on the installment of change like that you needed? I get a penny, even though, you know, 
You, well, even if it went to a nickel, well, then it would still be... Well, at least our coin system is simplified. I mean, you, it's r- roughly based on the English system, but the English system, it got wonky because you got down to the lowest possible denominator, and then they started breaking that up. So you had to cut your coins. Could you imagine being in the grocery store and it's like... you got to pull out 10 snips. i got to give you an eighth of a penny. Hang on. (laughs) I hate it whenever we go to um, some places now, particularly during the summer. They don't... They will... um, They charge a fee if you use credit cards or debit cards or anything like that. I get it because it offsets the... They have to absorb the fee. So you get rewarded in a weird way or not deemed if you use cash, which I'm all for, not hating that but i wish they would round or add the tax in because nothing's worse than being at a water park and say your drink that says three bucks and then they ran it up to 365 or 363 and now you're handing them a five and you're getting all this loose change back to go about your business within the the water park and it's like overcharge me just round that thing up to four dollars take my money i'm in a water park (laughs) i don't want to carry around i don't want to carry around the change and then how many, like, use the change as, like, extra to your tip? Like, especially if it's a coffee shop or, or something like that, you may have thrown in a buck anyway because that's what you were going to do, but you toss in the loose change um, as well. Do you usually have change in your pocket? Uh, it depends if I've stopped at, like, a convenience store or something and, and actually used cash. I don't, I don't start the day with change in my pocket. It's always something that will accumulate throughout the day and then get dumped in the bucket. Jay from the Res, a friend of mine always goes to the bank at payday and gets a bunch of $2 bills and spends them instead of breaking fives and tens. I didn't know you could get $2 bills. Oh, yeah. Really? And then if you go to Canada, it's even crazier because their $1 and $2 denominations are coins. They got loonies and toonies. Can you imagine giving that $2 bill to a new checkout person that wasn't prepared for that? This is counterfeit. I'm calling the cops. Or just scratching their head. Like I don't know where to, I don't know where to put it. There's not a slot for it here in my cash out drawer. I bet they figure it out. All right, stick with this. We got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Things. Don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And if you see a penny, pick it up, because all day long you'll have good luck. It's National Penny Day, and Kevin reminds us to all go check our pennies, because some older pennies, he said, are worth hundreds or thousands of dollars. If you talk about return on investment, that would be it. And I did a little Google Google, and apparently one of the oldest is from uh, Benjamin Franklin, and the minute date would be 1787. That would be some of the most 
I guess, um, valuable pennies in your pocket if you, well, I remember, if you came across one of those. I remember seeing an auction, gosh, it's been a while now, where it was a copper 1943 penny, which I believe there's only like 13 of them in existence. And it sold for million, million and a half, maybe more. Because, if you remember your history, nope. in 1943, <laughs> America is right smack dab in the middle of World War II. And copper was much more needed and much less available than steel. And it was needed for the war effort. So instead of having copper pennies, 1943 pennies, except for 20 or so that were minted accidentally, are made out of steel with a thin layer of zinc. Interesting. So there are silver pennies out there. Not really silver silver, but. That is the one thing. Isn't it against the law? I don't know if who's going to come and get you, air quotes law, but I think it is. You're not supposed to glue pen, like you're not supposed to glue pennies, decorate with pennies, do all the things. I think that was any money, correct? Like you're not supposed yeah. to. And then any illegal tender, any illegal tender. You may remember this story. It was back in January of 2022. I knew I'd remember it. And I'm sure this isn't the first one, but it's when the Department of Labor filed suit against a repair shop boss who paid his former worker his last paycheck and all um, old drip to pennies. The whole paycheck he paid. <laughs> He'd have probably been totally fine and gotten away with it if he all hadn't messed with the pennies. Dumped in his driveway. Oh, he was. Oh, well, he went a little further. He didn't just give it to him. He soaked them in oil and then he dumped them in his driveway and he left a vulgar note on top. And I don't know why that makes me laugh. I don't know the whole story. And I'm sure it's either way. It's very childish and inappropriate. But at the same time, if you haven't thought. Like if you've had to pay something back or you owed something or whatever, and it's never crossed your mind. I should do that in pennies and just show up with with a big sack of pennies. And well, like, sometimes it's malicious. Your... Sometimes it's just because the struggle bus is parked out front, <laughs> and I really want a sack full of crystals, but all I got is the penny bucket left. Uh, you just bring it out. And you just sort of set it down. and It's when you just loiter at the back of the line and wait for everybody to go through and go, all right, this is going to take a minute. And you just start <laughs> counting as you're ordering. Well, and then sometimes they'll just be like, just give it to me. Whatever it is, we're just going to take it. I mean, could you, I mean, again, going like back to the $2 bill, handing it to a cashier, like having a sack of pennies for your your 99 cent pick five or whomever, I think it would just. I don't know. I, a part of me thinks it would be cool to have little sachets of coins that acted as bills like, oh, it's five bucks and just chunk and throw a a pouch of coins on the counter. There, there's your money. It, it it feels satisfying. Yes, it would, and that would feel like what is that? Back in medieval times, when yeah. they would like your sack of coins, and you would have the little pouch with the little stringy thing. And then, oh, and then, I mean, how many of you probably kept change too in like the little crown royal sacks? I mean, those were perfect for so many different things. Anybody that ever worked in a restaurant with a bar. Yes. Had change in a Crown Royal bag. You don't even have to be a Crown Royal drinker. If you got your hands on one, you're like, this is good for something. Either you're going to collect caps in it, wine corks in it, change in it, something. You're like, this little sacky thingy is is right up my alley. It's good for something, for sure. I think collecting change is good. I think it's one of the best ways to start teaching your kids math. It's one of the most frustrating things, too. But if you got your grandkids for the summer, just pull out some change. And... First, you let them sort it, 
and then you start sort of going through the rolling. There's that right age around my 10-year-old would probably, now if you told her she could have the money after, she'd be after it all all afternoon. But there was a ripe 7 to 8. They're very interested in it. And it's a great kill two birds with one stone until they get tired of counting. And then you may have a, a quarter stack that you just doesn't, doesn't line up with the with the rest of them. BJ and Hasberg, screws and bolts. I'm guessing that's what you keep in your Crown Royal, your Crown Royal pouches. Some go all out too and make like blankets and everything else oh, yeah. with them. A Crown Royal bag quilt. There's other issues with that if you've had enough to, but hey. I mean, if it took you 20 years to get that's enough, a, that's not a big deal. But, but if you did it, it in, a, in a year, you might want to cut back a little bit. <laughs> but if you've got them all full of change, just think how much richer you would be. All right, stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. you got the boys with sports talk from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Mississippi Media Production.